right, what is going on, guys? This is Victor with the Chasing Waypoints podcast, episode number 26. That's right, 25 down, 26 now. And we are going to have some fun today. So we've got a very special guest this time around. Worked with him for many a years, and I remember uh, seeing these stickers plastered all over Baja and thinking, I want one of those. And well, all I had to do was ask, and next thing I know, is part of the organization. So lots and lots of fun, lots and lots of memories, but we're bringing him on the show this time around. We're going to be talking a little bit about making some road books, talking about an event, and doing a little bit more. So without getting started, kind of set the stage for this one, get down, get rid of this uh, party here. All right. So let's set the stage for this. And I think this is uh, kind of giving an idea of who we're going to be talking to here. Uh, before I actually introduce them. So imagine you're at work, someone you know is out riding, and you get you get an alert on your phone, and it's a spot tracker, and there's an emergency, something going down, and now all of a sudden from, you know, you're 9 to 5, you're, you're scrambling trying to figure it out, you're reaching out to your other buddy, other people in the organization trying to figure out what's going on, and you just don't know, and and it's it's something pretty pretty serious. You don't know what it is. It's a million miles away. You know, it's it's a bunch of thoughts. You don't know what it is because you don't normally get those kind of uh, alerts in a regular day to day basis. Uh, so then you start to think, uh oh, this could be bad. But the reason for that alert, and I say this in a good way, and and obviously he's here to talk about it, which is pretty awesome, is none other than Scotty Bloom from Baja Rally. So he's he has been doing this what uh, nine years now? Nine years? We're on our ninth year. That's crazy. So nine years of Baja Rally uh, going on, and obviously it's ten, and it's just picking up more speed. And so that was a very interesting was a very interesting thing, and it, it to us, and then obviously the whole organization because it was uh, that was pretty dicey, right? That was how San Vicente, you said, is the yeah it was in the big canyon uh the san vicente um wash way up like six seven eight miles uh up and about 5k past where uh trucks and vehicles can go okay well um tell me i mean what was the what were you doing back there well poncho <laughs> poncho alonzo from diaz pro uh was you know uh from the start the original um you know, Mexican side of the Baja Rally. We began our scouting for the 2017 rally on January 4th. And so we got an early start. As soon as the new year hit, we went out for a scout with a cowboy from San Vicente who had a bunch of ranches that are closed traditionally. And so this rancher got on a bike with us. Poncho's bike uh, broke and, and he went back to the truck and the highway let us uh, go scouting. And so th- what we're trying to do early is, can we make this canyon happen? Can we go through these ranches? Let's talk to the owner. Let's take him out on a ride. So the cowboy owner took us down an extreme canyon. He'd been there for 30 years and ridden it a bunch of times on a horse. So he never took a bike down this canyon. It was super Erzberg. We're going, we came into the canyon from from up above uh, and uh, got into some boulders. The the problem that I had wasn't that I didn't have water. It wasn't that I didn't eat. It wasn't that I was out of shape. It was that I had mineral deficiencies. 
no uh, electrolytes, none of those fizzy tablets. And as mm-hmm. soon as I started to peter out and get tired and, and get pooped, uh, the cowboy asked me, hey, do you have any minerals and stuff? And I said, you know, no, like in, in my bag. So at the end of the day, it was a near-death experience. Um, I, um, Because of being mineral uh, deficient, potassium, meta- uh, magnesium, uh, calcium, uh, sodium, mm-hmm. you know, the main ones, uh, your body won't absorb the water that you're drinking and you can't pee. And Patrick Attardo, who is has been with us from the start. Patrick mm-hmm. uh, is needs a mention here. He's suffering from brain cancer and he's recovering. He's going through a hard time. It's almost a year. He taught me that if you can't go pee and you feel like you need to go pee, you're starting into hydrate, dehydration. And so I kind of knew, and I remembered that it's like, oh, I'm dehydrated. Long story short is that we, I told the cowboy I can't ride my bike. He began to ride it for me and I would leapfrog. I'd walk and lay in the shade and it was january late afternoon it gets dark very early and in the canyon i got to a point where i had to push the the help button pre-pro not the sos but the help button that you and phil and a handful of other um baja rally insiders all received the same message including uh poncho who received the message uh in town we use the sat phone the spot as you by the way thank you for Mentioning that people should put their spot tracker on their body yeah. and not on their bike. And so I think we that's don't care picking, where the bike is. <laughs> that's picking up steam. But we mm-hmm. used the sat phone uh, to tell Poncho what was going on. Poncho could see where we were and said, I know where you were. And so uh, long story short, they uh, I wanted to stay there and all night and just rest. They wouldn't let me. They Poncho came in with... Um, with two sueros. Suero is uh, suero is electrolyte. He had two bottles of electrolyte. He th- tossed them to me. I drank one of them and stood up like magic. I was good as new. And so I was able to walk five kilometers down the canyon. It was dark. Hmm. Real tough experience. The, the, the lesson I learned is I don't go anywhere without, you know, having, uh, you know, at least drank one. Uh, electrolyte the night before a, a big mm-hmm. activity, and then the fizzy tablets. I started running science in sports SIS tabs that Mauricio Parra, um, you know, the head uh, of Baja Rally, the other mm-hmm. head, uh, gave to me. So like, electrolytes, but that, yeah. so, you know, that event, you and the others were stressing, like, what could it be? Yeah. And as soon as we get to a place where we could call you, hey, everything's good, I'm back yeah. in shape, and, you know, it's going to take me, it changed my life. That was yeah. a life-changing experience for sure. That, humbled me up a lot. <laughs> that uh, that phone call after, that everything was good, and it was because, I mean, yeah, you're, uh, the spot tracker, basic, but it, it did its job. You, you were able to reach out, and then to us, it's like, okay, we know nothing else, so we need to act like this is literally life or death. And, and I mean, and that's that's could have very well been i mean who knows another hour another two hours who knows i mean it wouldn't have been overnight so and that's not the first adventure there's been other adventures i know catavina there was one i remember we had the meeting and you showed up and then you just like yeah we couldn't you know you couldn't do it and but all of that is i guess i would say kind of back at it was why 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 are you out there what what's your i mean this is all about the road books building road books and doing that kind of what tells you know why get into all of these adventures? What's what's going on with that? Well, you know, we uh, got the bug. Like everyone else that is interested in Rally Raid, um, you get the bug. It's like uh, you haven't been vaccinated, and you catch the bug, <laughs> and you spread it to others. And so in 2000, 
you know, it all started, I wanted to be a motorcycle racer, and I told my brother, who, my big brother, had uh, been helping someone pre-run the Baja 500, like, for two days. So, of course, now he is, like, uh, you know, ready to get inducted into the off-road Hall of Fame. He thinks he knows everything. I told him, hey, bro, I want to race the Baja 500 someday. He laughed and said, you will never be able to do that. You will just peter out you know they'll be rubbing vaseline on your butt you know after the first day you won't make it it was great motivation for me and I, then i but i five years later i got into it and i spent some money and i built a team and i raced and the first thing i realized when i'm out there on a live course is i should not be out here you know? <laughs> uh, it was class 22 you know we're literally uh and we're you know banging bars with johnny campbell no 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 they're banging bars with each other we're not banging any bars with those guys we're just clouding up the course and so i realized i didn't have any reason to be out racing in class 22 uh in score and that i was a better writer than rider and so i went into journalism and started covering the bikes uh out of passion i went to the starting in 2008 2007 and for about five years i was at every start and finish of every score race in mexico and my job that i gave myself was to take pictures and interview the 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 motorcycles they weren't getting the, any any love, and so I, I became that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, did pretty well, uh, just doing it for free, and and kind of uh, was able to build a little bit of a name for myself. And then I got asked by Klaus at Race Desert to go to the Dakar. It was like getting struck by lightning and having a meteor land on you at the same time. It was <laughs> totally. So I went there and I fell in love with the navigation aspect in, in, of the rally. I was able to uh, be, I was with Volkswagen and Mark Miller. I was able to have access to Carlos Sainz, to Nasser Alatia, and to, um, you know, the South African guy, Janil, uh, uh, Janil de Villiers. De Villiers. And, um, you know, the whole gang. And so what I did, and the other journalists were really focusing on the drivers. When they came into the bivouac, I went right for the navigators. And the navigators were like, nobody, they were like the Maytag repairman. Not really, because (laughs) they were doing, and I just, uh, and then, uh, you know, I had a place in Arendera. And after I came back from Argentina and Chile, I was riding around a lot. I go, you know, this looks just like where we were in Argentina, the soil where they grow wine and, and I said you know th- someday they should do a rally in, in Baja and like they could do one in, in Baja and that was like for a year and long a couple other things happened that where I just decided I was going to do it yeah. a couple people discouraged me and that uh, really helped you know yeah. they said you can't do it won't happen and I called the right people um, I called Poncho and that was the right uh, decision at the at the time, he he was the guy to to, to be able yeah. to do that. So that the rally was born, and uh, you know, there's a, a you know a lot of history behind it, and like how, what makes us um, sustainable, why we're going to have a future, why we're going to be here in ten years, and why I think um, the scale of our race will be five or six times what it is right now uh, in the coming years. And it's a group effort. It's not just something that we do. My job is to make the routes. Mm -hmm. And one day I I asked myself, why? Why am I out here? And a lot of the the riding that I've done and that I do is solo. And, you know, I take precautions, take equipment and, you know, big believer in spot uh, trackers and the different products out of spot and the service. And one day in 2015, 
you know, I was just going through my divorce and, you know, and I was out there hot at the end of the day, sunset at the top of the mountain. I said, why the hell am I doing this? And that's a good question. So I asked yeah. myself, why the hell am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I realized and I said, well, it's because I was born to. I have this gift, you know, and I don't like to shouldn't really talk about my gift. But mm-hmm. some people can play guitar and, and sing at the same time or play piano while they're singing, you know. I can't do that. But what I can do is I can find where I went before. Yeah. Now, coming to your place today to the studio, hmm. I've been here once and coming back here, I almost had to open a waypoint. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I found it. So no penalty my position. thing that I like to do is explore and to, um, I'm good at, at this part and yeah. memory stuff. Okay. Um, so. There, you know, and it's, uh, there was a story that I had, that I had heard. And I mean, I guess you can hear I guess right now is the time to dispel the rumor. I had heard you, you were the crazy guy that would, uh, or not crazy, the, the dedicated person. you got to be a little bit crazy to do this. But that you would ride the course for the Baja races and find find the spots, the the places to take the pictures. The You knew everybody, even if they were wearing their helmet and a three-liter camelback, you knew exactly who it was. Like you were that focused on detail. That's true? What, that's, that is true, and that's yeah. what happened, and that's, how, that's why... Klaus at Race Desert, he told me that's why he picked me for the Dakar to be a, to represent Race Desert in the 2011 Dakar Rally in Buenos Aires. And so it's a two-edged sword. Hey, honey, I'm going to go down to La Paz on my bike. I'm going to spend four days uh, pre-running the whole course. I did that two years, I did 2010 and 2012, for the purpose of of being able to be at the finish line and having being able to look at Kendall Norman and say, how about race mile 719 coming up those that rock that rock thing at the dump? Mm-hmm. Was that going off? And then with Max Eddy Jr. And, and Ricky Brabeck at the time when they won class 21, I believe, it was like, how about that fog over there by Santa Rita? And you can see that big, the big dip. And... Um, so that is what I what I did. One is takes to go for a long four day ride, but the other mm. thing is to be able to when NBC's cameras are coming up on the podium at the finish line, and they have a lady who's a nice woman, but mm-hmm. she doesn't really know what she's talking about. How does it feel, John, Johnny, yeah. or how does it feel, Kendall or Colton? And I wanted to be the guy that's behind the camera that's really asking them the question mm-hmm. that you're seeing on the broad. You're seeing them explain it on the broadcast and. Yeah. You know, um, so that is um, kind of what launched me. That's what Klaus said. Is he said you're going to the Dakar Rally? You have to leave in 72 hours. You need this, this, and that. And I said, fine. The wife said, yeah, but I'm only have one question. Okay, what is your question? It's Klaus. <laughs> Why me? Oh, it's very simple. We have like 12 writers and we have reporters, photographers. They are all good people, but. They have a you know limited work ethic, and we saw you in La Paz working for like forty hours. Like, you know, even I took a nap, and you were still there. And and you 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 are passionate about this. You do it for free. And who else would ride their bike all the way to La Paz just to know the course? You are, and that and that's uh, we wouldn't be here sitting here right now. And there would be no such thing as Baja Rally without Klaus Rausch and Peter Hardy. Um, who is, uh, you can Google, who is Peter Hardy, H-A-R-D-Y. Um, we wouldn't be here. So yeah. that is a true story. Okay. So, yeah. So 
I saw it because I was like, oh man, that's. I mean, obviously that's that's dedication. There's no two ways about it. Like you don't uh, you don't go ride a motorcycle for four days. You do if you're on an adventure bike on the street, you know, with the heated grips and you know, the wider seat and all that stuff. But Baja is not a merciful place. You know, it it, could, it can be. It can be very rewarding, but at the same time, it will kick your ass. And so that still you still transfer that into Baja Rally, right? Yeah. You bring that into the into when you make a road book. Yep. That's your tell us a little bit about how you how you go about this making a road book. I mean, was I mean, obviously you rode to just to be able to get the inside scoop on places in the course. Does that transfer into Baja Rally? I mean, that that same work ethic that what you do riding? Yeah, that curiosity and, and make no mistake. I mean, it's an optical illusion riding, uh, you know, riding the Baja 1000 course to La Paz during pre-running mm-hmm. it seems really scary but there's always going to be a gringo or a family or a team that's just going to be right behind you mm-hmm. case in point muffler flew off the bike at, at um <laughs> over by coco's at uh, kalamawahi wash and i'm like oh my i kind of taped it together with some thing and i got to el crucero and there's cameron Steele and his gang mm-hmm. which they should make a cartoon series about uh cameron and, and his crew that would be a great uh animated <laughs> uh, series but they were, you know, that's they rescued me. Give him food, fix his thing, and and let him go. So mm-hmm. um, it does convert over and it, it, it carries over. It's important to uh, be on the ground. If you're making road books, like if I'm making road books, I'm not hand drawing it, and I'm going to. I've had to um, keep refining the process and make it simple but not easy. It is hard. Um, when we first started the rally, yeah. the the. Two things that kept me up for eight months at night. We launched it in March 2013, and then until September, you know, it's like seven or eight months. I was uh, environmental impact. Um, environmental agencies were going to shut us down. Government would shut us down. No deal. No rally. And the other thing was that if the roadbooks weren't accurate, mm-hmm. uh, being a newbie and a new entrant and trying to introduce the sport into Baja. And having the critical rally theorists, uh, you know, apply no. the CRT uh, <laughs> thing, and that yeah. the, if the roadbooks weren't perfect, so I had to learn that yes, rally navigator, you don't need to audit rally navigators uh, mileage lining up or the kilometers lining up. Mm-hmm. It, it after nine years, I can tell you, it's going to line up if yeah. you're uh, if your track that you're putting into rally navigator, which is what I recommend someone do uh and instead of hand drawing a route mm-hmm. like you mentioned in one of your earlier podcasts there's a little margin of error between what you see on a satellite map and what a garmin gpx file is going to output you know there's a couple meters out mm-hmm. there and then you kind of mentioned um that something in portugal so um the making the rally in the road books is the first thing i do i have a five-step process the right. first thing i do is imagine it and I basically, okay, I'm going to start in Santa, the Santa Maria and San Quentin, and I want to finish in Bay of L.A., for example. Mm-hmm. So it's big picture stuff. I just imagine what I already know, canyons, mountains, coastal valleys, you know, no-go zones, uh, possible zones, minimize the highway. Kind of imagine what I want to do so that return entrance in Baja Rally will say, <laughs> thankfully he didn't do the same course again we mm-hmm. never do that and we're trying everything we can to never have to repeat a course and to ever share with score or nora mm-hmm. or record 
don't want to share any course or use course that has been banged up by big trucks and you know high output um, vehicles that big make big trenches or big uh, a lot of silt and whoops. Try to make it faster. And so the first step is imagining it, and then uh, I don't do any writing or anything with Rally Navigator uh, in this step. It's just where do I want to go? What's the tides? Where are the tides going to be? What's the sunrise? Uh, what's the prevailing traffic? Like, um, okay. in, in, from my experience, the next step is two days um, to mark a, a GPX file. So I'm going to go out and record and come home with a clean GPX file that has a start point, an end point, and all of the, the forks in the road, all of the hazards are also marked. And that's something I can take home and save in a folder. Mm-hmm. It's a two-day process. So once I've imagined it, then I'll get all my stuff together. A GPX, a GPS device with a backup. Uh, batteries are there. Go through a checklist. And I'll ride with the GPS turned on. And I'll do a little bit of marking here and there. And, and squiggle. Go up a valley. Oh, it doesn't work. I'm going to come back. Oh, I'm in a locked gate. I'll maybe drop the GPX. And that I go home that that after or back to the hotel after that day and I'll load that stuff up into my computer and look at the line on Google Earth and E32 uh, Baja and E32 is a cartographia. It's yeah, a great E32. product. It's like the best thing for Mexico. It's all of Mexico, hand-drawn, uh, the, the most extensive map uh, backing that you can have. So I use those to look at, okay, it is possible to get over that mountain or through that valley. The rancher is, is cool. There's no lock gate. We have some contacts. And so the next day, all I need to do is come back with a clean GPX. And so many times, Victor, I've had mm-hmm. to c- come back and, oh, it turned off for a, a while and it's not 100% perfectly clean. If you're doing uh, loading, using a, a making a roadbook in Rally Navigator, mm-hmm. doing it by hand is going to take you a lot longer than spending two days to come back with a clean GPX mm-hmm. because when you go to verify it, you're going to have some some tweaks and twists and turns. So when it's the frequency of the GPS unit pinging, you mm-hmm. can choose that. Least often is going to use the least batteries. Most often is going to ping every second or even the Trailtech Voyager. Mm-hmm. I found has a real high frequency if if it's set okay. up right. Um, so the second step is. I've got a clean GPX track, and the start is marked. Every turn and fork is marked. And then I just, by hitting the mark button to to lay a a waypoint down on your unit. When I come up to a double hazard, I can just do mark, enter, mark, enter. So that later when I look at it on Google Earth, which I always write the roadbooks with two screens. I've got Rally Navigator open, and then I can toggle to Google Earth where the track is, and it, it, it helps me. If you notice Rally Navigator, when you move the cursor onto the map part, mm-hmm. the thing starts spinning around. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a Google Maps um, thing. Mm-hmm. Google Earth doesn't do that. And so um, once I've come home, so if I get to the end of that, that second day and, the, and I get to the finish line and I say, was that a, is that a clean run? Do I have a perfect GPX? Yes. I go home and then l- save it all, load it up into Google Earth and to Rally Navigator, and then I begin 
writing. Mm-hmm. And if you, once you start writing writing road books, you become an author, you're published, <laughs> right? So once yeah. you, so I've got forty two stages um, that have been competed on. So we have forty two stages over nine years. It totals about ninety three hundred kilometers or fifty six hundred miles of unique, all unique courses. And so I've been doing this a little while and I kind of have some insight. You do yours the way you want to do them. Mm -hmm. And it's not my place to be a nanny or a roadbook wizard Mm -hmm. or or anything like that. But if you are curious, you can kind of learn. Human nature is that men can't, it's hard for a man or a woman to learn from the mistakes of other people. We tend to have to Make the mistakes. Make them our own. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. mom and dad tell you, "Hey, you shouldn't go do, shouldn't touch the stove. It gets hot." Well, mm-hmm. you know, you're well informed that you shouldn't touch the stove, <laughs> but in it, you know, yeah. uh, universally, it's every kid will touch the stove, and then they say, "Now I'm knowledgeable." Yeah. So I'm knowledgeable <laughs> on 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 the making roadbooks for competition, and and mm-hmm. the idea is safety is yeah. that you 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 can kill somebody, you know, yeah. or. So the reason that if you were to say, hey, I drew a roadbook from in the Grand Canyon or up in South Dakota, and I want you to go verify it, well, that's going to cost them. That's going to cost because I've no. done that before where it's like I'm just cursing in my, in my helmet at the person. It's like, why did you send me out here? This isn't – you need to have gone out and, mm-hmm. and done it yourself to make sure that it's passable, mm-hmm. that it's not – a, a no-go zone and stuff like that. So that was step two is to create the GPX. Step three is to write the first draft of the roadbook. Mm-hmm. And there's some little tips in there uh, that, you know, but if you're having 300 notes on a 300-kilometer stage, Baja Rally, it tends to have a note, an average w- once every kilometer. That's a lot of notes. So you yeah. have a 300-kilometer stage, like 200 and something miles. Uh, it is... Uh, and there's 300 notes, that's exhausting mentally. Mm-hmm. And so the physiology of, of rally is that, you're, yeah, you're riding a dirt bike on, on off-road. That's exertion. Mm-hmm. But the tuning your eyes to 300 meters, 100 meters to 18 inches and back and forth is exhausting. Mm-hmm. So that is what, people, what peters people out. Mm-hmm. So what I do with that is that, so I've written the road book. And then on some of the waypoints, it's like, fuck, what is that thing? Is that a dip or is that a fork? Google Earth isn't showing me because this image is from 2014. Yeah. And Rally Navigator image, it's not showing it everything. Uh, and so I will write in the left box, what is? Mm-hmm. And in, in, in the work. So that'll happen 10% of the time. If there's 100 notes, then 10 of them are going to be, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. So that on my first pre-run, step four is to, uh, to print the roadbook from Rally Navigator, download and print it. I do that on legal size. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is to cut down on uh, taping and yeah. gluing and taping. Mm-hmm. So letter size, you're going to be gluing and taping a few more. Mm-hmm. When you output Rally Navigator onto a legal size paper, you get 10 notes are mm-hmm. going to appear. And so if you have a 400 uh, note uh, roadbook it's 40 pages mm-hmm. and so you guys that have been doing this a while know that you can barely fit 40 pages if you're good into a roadbook reader mm-hmm. when they're all taped together so on the first pre-run now i've written the roadbook it's not complete mm-hmm. there's a few things that are like i have no idea what this is 
and then but I, I flag it with an exclamation point or just something that clues me into it. I print the thing, and as you're marking a roadbook, you know, for this pre-run, what I do is I just make sure that every single what is uh, note, something that I don't know what it is, is is flagging me. It's red or pink or whatever. So then I'll, I'll go to the start line, clear out of, of where I'm going with the rally comp data in a DAP file um, and using the rally comp as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a odometer and as it's designed to do to, it's a meter to manage a, a rally stage event, waypoint open, speed zone, safety. And so I take the cover off the roadbook reader. Most of the time I'm doing this on a bike. I'm learning to do it in a truck as a passenger uh, with rally comp. It's a lot nicer with air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. And um, the, the, uh, the cover is off the roadbook, and I keep Sharpies in a little saddlebag or a giant loop zigzag bag on the handlebars. And what I do is when I get to the what is, it's like, ah, okay, it's a fork in the road with a little bump and a tree. And I can just kind of hand draw that. Mm-hmm. I'll come to another note that's like, oh, this doesn't even need to be there. And I just take my pen while I'm riding. I just kind of pull the clutch in and just kind of knock that note out. Yeah. At the end of that day, I unreload that, that paper roadbook at the hotel, it's always at a hotel, and, and basically turn on the computer, open the stage and rally navigator, and I'll go through one by one. Here's that what is, and I'll change it and, and just correct it. It takes an hour, not mm-hmm. that not that long, and then I'll print that again and go out the next day. So I print that out, tape it up, put it in my roadbook reader, go back to the start line and run it again, see if I can get it perfect. And then at the end of that day. That's done, and then I'm going to send step five is to send a guinea pig. We've had Joe DeRosiers from Joe Holler, Andy Greider, Fred Sopke, John Dykes, the late John Dykes, rest in peace, uh, passed away 2020 uh, riding. He was a, a stage verifier. Poncho has done it. I think Mauricio's done it now um, also. So we put the, the – and Hing Young. Yeah. Hing, yeah, Hing <laughs> is uh, the least experienced – so you could put the most experienced uh, rally person to ver- be your guinea pig, mm-hmm. which we, I love doing it because and I'll observe the, the guinea pig. So yeah. we're done. This is step five. This is the end. Yeah. If the guinea, I follow the guinea pig and I kind of watch uh, what they do and I'll let them make the mistake, let them blow by the turn. The fast guys that are, uh, it's very humbling the sport, you know, because you you have to fail. Mm-hmm. You're gonna f- get lost. Yeah. And, and so if you're testing a stage or you're making a stage. You know, people do get lost, and it's what happens next that gets really interesting, and that's mm-hmm. part of the fascination of the sport. Um, but so once that guy gets to the finish line, I see that he can make it on his own, uh, didn't need help, lock the stage, it's done. And so then if that's outside of 30 days before the rally, not good. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned participating in other rallies, which the work of being a, a roadbook writer um, can really help you when you go to a, a recreational rally or some other rally when there's a mistake that someone made you can solve it pretty quick you can you, you yeah. have the intuition to know what it what happened mm-hmm. there while the riders are uh, trying to sort it out so you know that's uh, and then at the end of this the test the guys are just pooped out joe derosiers who i love as a brother um, the guy that pretty much invented Joe Haulers and, and has the best product out there. 
you know, he's a lord, you know, for around Baja. And he has helped uh, me in the first couple of years, and he was so pooped out. He did a bunch of rally comp stuff with us, 13, 14, 15. And uh, so those are the testers. And once that's done, it doesn't matter if it's an experienced rally guy or a super noob. Mm -hmm. If either one of them can make it, then you've got yourself a good stage. And if you're like guys like Mason Klein and the the guys that are training and jonesing, these guys are like chomping at the bit to get roadboats made Mm -hmm. and to share them. And, you know, the more that you do that, the more you're going to refine uh, the way you do it. Dave Manriquez, you know, gnarly yeah, Dave, gnarly unsung Dave. hero, you know, is, uh, you know, he didn't get anything from me. He, if you go, to, and I haven't done one of his stages, I'd love to, mm-hmm. but I know that when I do, it's his. He didn't yeah. learn anything from, from me mm-hmm. or talking to me. He's 100% through Johnny, and I think he's self-taught. Yeah. And, um, you know, but... Guys, if you're making roadbooks and you're for your friends and you want them to take it seriously, make a jeep. Go out there on the ground, put the work in. Yeah, you know. Otherwise, it's going to be you're, there's no shortcuts in this sport. Yeah, I feel just safety wise. Like I've heard, I've heard. You know, obviously, I've talked to a few people about roadbooks and off channel and that kind of stuff. And it's kind of generally accepted that, hey, you know, let's go fly. The, we'll fly the stage. We'll fly what we want to do. And we're just going to ride everything like they're all red flags. You know, like every note is a dangerous thing. And I see that. But at the same time, I, it still worries me because how do you know? You know, if you're you're already riding a road book, you're already picking up the pace. You know, you're maybe riding back or slowing it down because you know hey uh, nobody's actually pre-run this so i don't know if there is an actual danger here or like you said or or a locked gate um you try and look for them in in google earth but you know you never know i've heard i've heard a few stories about uh inland empire where uh wires and stuff and new fences are going up and trails are being moved and stuff like that so um I, that's obviously is the best practices. Go ride the thing before you before you make a roadbook. I mean, well, let's Victor from Chasing Waypoints and Scotty. The best example we can give is Dave Manriquez. Gnarly Dave is, is he's our best example of this. Mm-hmm. He, he's first of all, if you know him, this guy's loyal, workhorse, blue collar, work ethic. You know, um, he's a hustler. And when I mean hustler, he works and he's 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 dedicated. He gets called on, uh, you know, Rip to Cabo, Johnny Campbell stuff, and Johnny Campbell and the most important right now on the planet. By the way, Johnny Campbell mm-hmm. is is he won the Dakar also. So it's like if you and he knows it, nobody needs to tell him because he already knows that he he won the Dakar. Mm-hmm. His DNA is all over Ricky's program. It's all over the bike. Um, and uh, so if Dave Manriquez gets appointed by Johnny Campbell and Ricky Brabeck to make practice stages, you bet your ass he's going to put in the labor. And it's hot up there in, mm-hmm. in Adelano, uh, Hesperia, up in the high desert, uh, Mojave Desert area. And I know that Dave is our best example for, for that because he does, it's not a bro that's going to go out and ride it. He's got to go write the road book and he's got to go out himself. And he's been out there alone a lot. Yeah. And as I, as I talk to him and he, if you don't, you know, you need some road book, aspiring road book, stage maker guys. Um, if you want someone to aspire to, that's your guy right now. In my opinion, if you're going to have someone up here in the States, 
mm-hmm. to um, model your stuff after. Go get with him, ride some of his stages, and pick his brain. And I bet you he'll help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, he's, he's been the biggest part of that and, and, and what you're saying that I take away from that is, is in talking to him, nobody gets into Johnny Campbell's program. And, and yes, people do, but not just anybody. And he is part of that program. And, and then, yeah, and like exactly like you said, called on to do a road book for uh, who's it? Ricky Brabeck is who again? He, oh, yeah, he won the Dakar, right? And then backed it up with a second place. So then it's like, you know you're doing something right. And I've talked to him, and I know that sometimes he doesn't feel like, you know, that, that he's very humble about what he's doing. And you have to kind of remind him, I'm like, dude, you're writing road books for these guys. You know, and and he's learned a lot, and and done a lot. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. I mean, how much work he puts into it, and coming up with new routes and stuff like that. So, I, I would agree with you. I'm not a roadbook expert, but I can see the work ethic. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, if you, the fastest yeah. way to become one is go ride with Dave and yeah. and um, and you know pick it up from him. Also, Quinn Cody made a bunch of, and I've got to say thanks to Quinn for uh, being part of. You know, he was super close to just acing the first Baja rally blew a motor like you know nine miles from the finish no. and he's trained so many people you know he really is the guy that that picked Ricky he's the guy that that basically tapped Ricky Brabeck and, and that's out there that's it's not a that's not a secret um, for when Ricky's first trip to, to the Dakar mm-hmm. it was all Quinn and Quinn is like you know a um, busy guy mm-hmm. uh worth his salt he's and he's legit and he has written a bunch of um, all kinds of stuff in many i'm sure in europe uh also i mean the seven not your bike yeah is basically quinn's bike i mean basically Correct. quinn has his dna all over that bike just like johnny has his dna all over the xr 650r mm-hmm. um so yeah those the road books the thing is it's such a niche thing right now yeah. you know there are a hundred to two hundred hardcore rally participants in the United States. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm under. Maybe there's four hundred. Maybe one to two hundred participants, and there's like seven roadbook writers, writers, yeah. you know, or or ten. Eh, I'm probably missing it. Mike Shirley would know uh, mm-hmm. from Rally Navigator. Yeah, true. Yeah, he's the one that's got the subscriptions. <laughs> he knows everybody that logs in, creates logins. So, I w- I would think, I don't know. I with as many obviously I mean I see the listeners and the views or the the listens that we're getting and all that and I can see I can see that it's growing and I can see that there's more people doing it but to me uh, it's like what what more what more could we be doing you know to help get more people writing road books because it's not just um, it's not just the the guy that wants to go out and, and ride them. But if you're interested, you mentioned it earlier, if you're interested in actually racing, there's times that knowing how to build a road book will save your ass. Cause you know, the, the, you know what, this note is wrong or whatever. And I've seen, I've seen it happen at other rallies where, Oh, the note was wrong. Yeah. But what did the box say? Cause if I'm not mistaken, the box is going to be correct. This could say, Oh, left turn. The arrow is clearly pointing to the right, but this over here is, so that's the human error part of it. Yep, yep, so. and and um, you know the um, at, instead of you know going off on a tangent with yeah. a personal story, um, let's go and look at bigger picture stuff. Okay, so you, let's say you're at a rally. There's forty or fifty racers, 
and you can there's a there's a metric for intelligence quotient the ability to, to gather and, and uh, new information and to gather skills right mm-hmm. so it's your IQ so smart people we have some we know some people that are high IQ 140 150 160 um, but the, their EQ the emotional quotient mm-hmm. is like the new thing it's kind of like the new IQ it's how will you handle when shit goes south when you're when you're feeling great, you're in the lead, and then all of a sudden you know you're dead lost, and then are you going to have a meltdown? Or you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, okay, million examples. Your uh, paper roadbook scroll, the actual paper rips, you know, in the middle of the stage while you're in the top three. You're, how are you going to correct yourself? Mm-hmm. And, and do you lose? Do you, do, you, do you lose it? You know, do you do you basically have a meltdown uh, by yourself out there? And and so you the best rally racers, and we can like study like who's the perfect, what's the body type, and what's the 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 emotional intelligence type, what's the IQ type. Having a super high IQ mm-hmm. does not uh, guarantee that you have a, a, a high EQ and that you can keep your shit together. Really super smart people mm-hmm. socially um, can't can't maintain. You know, they're not, you don't want to be around them. And so yeah. um, every rally stage is going to, the road book itself is going to have its worst note. And it's going to be an incorrect note where it's basically the arrow in the tulip is kind of curving to the left. But over in the right-hand box, it says uh, AD or keep right. Mm-hmm. You know, And so if you, when you get there and you stop uh, and you're like, which is it? Which is it? You, you're, if you, you have any IQ at all, you're going to deduct, use deduction to figure out, oh, okay, it's going to be this way. And you can also look on the ground. Mm-hmm. I've seen it um, where, and I don't know how I stack up on EQ or IQ, but I've noticed other people um, that they lose their shit. And it's like, um, I don't know if we can say that on the no, show. No, it's, it's marked explicit. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> We're good. So um, cap heading is wrong. <laughs> and, you know, you're the 10th guy to go through. Just look at the ground. Get down on the ground like a native and touch it, and just look for the tracks, you know. Yeah. And so, um, and also using using the force, mm-hmm. or just keep going and, and maintain. But every single roadbook is going to have a bad uh, note or the worst note, the least accurate. And then in every stage, every single person is going to get misplaced. Mm-hmm. Lost is kind of a bad word, you know. It's kind of a yeah. stigma. I'm misplaced. I never get lost. <laughs> and so men, you know, it's like, especially the more you know. Now, Skylar, I listened to your episode with Skylar twice. Mm-hmm. And Skylar did really well at Sonora. He had help from Scott Bright. He admits it. You know, he, he, Scott helped him, which is, that's what Scott does. So, by the way, Scott Bright is, a, is a, thank you for having him on your show. Yeah. He's like a lord. He's like, if they were going to depict, you put like a big wig on him, he's like, like um, a mythical, like Renaissance figure of what it looks like in heaven. You know, he is a, the best helper. But Skyler's admission mm-hmm. that at his first Dakar with Garrett Pouchet, that he was the going to be the guy, and he mm-hmm. he had this figured out, and he had his ass handed to him. Mm-hmm. But the reason that it's not bad is that he realizes it, and yeah. he says, you know, this is what happens. Matlocks go to their rock stars. They go to the Dakar, and you know, with hey, it's humble, it's hard at the Dakar. 
it was 100 times harder than what they even estimated or 10 times harder than what they estimated and, and um, how you bounce back. And we'll see yeah. how, they, how they bounce back. But yeah. Skyler sure as heck uh, bounced back. Now, on, another thing about Rally, mm-hmm. the, I was talking with Johnny Campbell the other day about this. If you take uh, Pablo Quintanilla, who's mm-hmm. now on Honda, mm-hmm. and you put him up next to Toby Price on KTM, and you put him up and you stand them in a, on a lineup next to Skyler House and Ricky Brayback, all these guys are tall, big, with wide shoulders, and they're, they're big dudes. Mm-hmm. So that uh, Nacho Cornejo, Ignacio Cornejo, the small guy that, that, from Honda, mm-hmm. he's an anomaly. But, you know, so there's a certain those big guys can ride those big bikes with big wide forks or the thick forks and uh, and they're pounding. So that's like the anatomy of a Mm -hmm. modern uh, rally racer. What what about their? So it's like I would love to get in the head of I'm already in the head of Skyler. I've heard what he has to say. I know that he's got a higher EQ Mm -hmm. Um, and because his thing, I love talking about Skyler. He's a one of the best exemplars for us. And if you're a factory team like Husky or Honda, and I have it on pretty good knowledge that Honda would, you know, Johnny would have loved to have him on. He wants more Americans you mm-hmm. know, on the team. Yeah. But if, if I'm at Husky or KTM, I'm looking at Skylar Howes and what he did, what he risked. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's Rambo. Yeah. They literally flew him into Dubai or wherever and then into thinking they just, okay, we're going to drop this guy like they did with Rambo. They drop him in the jungle. We're going to drop Skylar in the desert in Saudi Arabia in 2021. And he's going to go get a top five. The guy is like, he bet everything on himself. Yeah. And that's the kind of guy, if I was a factory you know, manager, I would be like, that's the stuff that we want. Yeah. Well, I mean, it. I mean, I just just looking at a big, big picture. Right. And just across the board on all sports and all stuff. Right. You have egos and you have people that are just, you know, they I went to the gym 50 hours this week and I'm in the best shape of my life. And OK, so give me my contract. And that's it, because it's like asking for a raise because you show up on time. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's that. But, but then you have it's like now. I mean, and in Skyler's case, it's like looking at it and you're going like, OK. This kid was literally going to go back to the States after this rally and not have anything that that dedicated. I, you know, if he's got he's going to be the guy pushing the bike across the finish line. There's no question. Like, you're not even going to ask that question. Like, you're just going to assume that's going to happen. Just having that much dedication and that much fight to get into it. So it's almost like to the factory teams is kind of like, what took you guys so long? You know, because he's, he's been doing this for, you know, for four, four it was his fourth year this year. He had three years when I talked to him. So four coming up. It's, it's, uh, I, I think he should have been on. I mean, well, he was with Garrett. You know, Garrett took him there. And then you had, uh, he was on the BAS to car uh, program as well. That was two years of that, I believe. No, they were with yeah. the Czech guys. <clears throat> okay. So oh, yeah. <clears throat> plan, uh, yeah. They, that's right. And he, in your podcast with his uh, him as a respondent, he went through that that guy was a good guy, mm-hmm. everything good, but it wasn't the same as Bass. No, you know, it wasn't. which is it kind of has KTM DNA, uh, you know, on the, sprinkled in. on their team. And so, yeah. imagine if Skyler came back with a DNF or a, an injury or something like that. You know, like that's tragic. That yeah. would be a tragedy because what would happen is then what you know, mm-hmm. and who's going to put throw more money at him? 
but his no. uh, he he's toeing the line, and you know, of course, Ricky um, and watching him go through Ricky Brabeck's uh, growing pains. You know, I mean, I covered. I was advised to get out of moto journalism when I started the rally, mm-hmm. um, and you know, for the most part, I did. But every Dakar, I still write uh, a little bit of commentary, no. and so I've watched Ricky, and you know. Privately with myself, I'm just like, oh, well, that's going to hurt. You know, that's going to take some time. And this is, he's growing through this. And, you know, he looks like a fish out of water. And I can hardly wait to see what he becomes. And, like, you watch that documentary that Monster yeah. Energy put out mm-hmm. right before the last Dakar. You know, you get to see, you get to see how he's changed and how he's matured. And this is why a, an athlete like Ricky Brabeck, elite, pretty much elite athlete, if you look at his training, mm-hmm. anyone that's on, you know, elite uh, Dakar and or you look at just a guy like uh, Santo uh, Santiago Lazo Santi Lazo smoking Mm -hmm. cigarettes out of shape got glasses kind of old guy (laughs) we all get the same thing from from the 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 rally part it's really um, you're not competing against yourself Mm -hmm. I mean you're not competing against uh, the top pros but you just it's a great test let's talk about like why rally? And this is like, I was, I was, someone whispered in my ear and they said, you can do it. Tell them that you can do it. So you're, you're on the fence about rally and you're kind of, God, I just, I don't know. I got to get training and I want to be well-trained. I want to go in super prepared. It's, that's, that's, that's a clue that it's not right. You know, mm-hmm. that you're, um, it, Conversely, if you're like, you know, I'll throw myself into this thing and, you know, what, what's worse that can happen? They can't eat me. You know, mm-hmm. like they can't, you know, yeah. like they're not going to throw me in jail. They can't eat me if I'm not successful. So you, you can do this. It's like the, the documentary that, that Monster put out about Ricky's climb to success. It's a good show, but... It, in, a, in a major way, it missed the mark. And what it did is the impression that that I'm left with after watching that is they paint the picture that it's insurmountable, that Dakar is mm-hmm. insurmountable, which is, is partly true. But just that getting into rally is, for North Americans, it's foreign. It's like the first time you went to Mars. You can't imagine it until you, until you go. Mm-hmm. And so... What I would say to anybody that's watched that or anybody that's thinking about rally is I know because I've trained close to 50 uh, people to do roadbook navigation and to prep for racing is you can do this. It's just just take the leap, seven or eight hundred bucks, you know, less than a thousand bucks to get your bike in shape. Mm -hmm. What's the worst that can happen? Is your wife going to leave you? Or she already did? Okay, nothing bad can happen, right? So. Well, and the pace, I mean, and, and we've, we've talked a little bit about it with different guests on the show, but it's like the pace is different. There, It's not the, it, it, it really isn't the factory team. Like the factory team, especially with the way roadbooks are done nowadays, they, I mean, maybe a mechanical advantage because they got a faster bike, but even then all that takes is one blown waypoint. And then all of a sudden you got 20 minutes in the hole that you got to try and make up. Well, depending on the organization, but just that quickly you could get a penalty for something and and it's a crap shoot they may not maybe it was a mistake in the road book and you get lucky and it gets you know credited or you're gonna eat it but it doesn't matter the rules apply to everybody and 
And I, I still, even then, I mean, like four years at Baja Rally, five years at Baja Rally, and, and going to the event and seeing, the majority of the guys are adventure guys anyway, right? Yeah. That, that's the general feel I get is, you know, a lot of those guys, like you said, you know, stopping to take smoke breaks, you know, uh, the, and I can't, uh, Av, was it Avner? The, the Israeli, Israeli guys? Father-son yeah. team. Father-son team, you know, yeah. Stopping to take pictures of the cactus down in Valle Little Cedios. And, you know, it's like all these, like, there was an adventure and there happened, and the way that that adventure worked was with a road book. You know, they were handed a road book and they were going to go do their own self-guided tour around Baja, which incidentally is not the easiest to do because you don't pick any of the score routes or do any of that kind of stuff, right? We're always, or you were always in the book, like in the boonies and away and avoiding all of that stuff. So by design, by design, by design. to make it, um, you know, I know score, you know, mm-hmm. I was a journalist and registered with score and, and understood the tracking, you know, I knew the, the, all the key players and I was there at the, and I've raced in record in Kode, in a Cossack, uh, in La Nora, you know, I worked for Nora, you know, before I, we came up with the rally idea. And so I kind of know what they're doing mm-hmm. and, you know, they they have a good thing and you have to respect tradition. Yeah. The rally thing is, or it's like Sonora and Baja rally are on a slow growth trajectory and we should be thankful for that. And the reason we should be thankful for that is if you shoot up and you're on a high trajectory on anything, you're a new entrant and you come and you just shoot right up to the top, really be, take take caution here because that's how guys drop yeah, just to the bottom. Quickly. Yeah, you can, you can fade. There was a guy, Robert Acer, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that would wear the helmet around Ensenada. He was really big for a couple of years and then gone. Yeah. So the guys that really shoot up. So back to the, um, like, Let's because you touch on a subject that a lot of the guys in the Baja Rally are kind of like adventure rally tourism. Yeah. So in Europe, the the Hellas, Seras, and you know those the European based rallies that are highly subscribed to uh, Desert Rose Racing and the different uh, organizations that help pe- people like us mm-hmm. n- mortals go to those events are. Um, you know the the adventure part of it, the civilians, let's call them, the, they're mortals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an important piece of the puzzle. But the highly competitive guys, uh, we need them and to make the crossover. So things like Mason and his dad and Chris Vestal. So what the way I understand this is, we got Mason Klein's a racer, an off road racer, and he's got a dad and a brother and they, they, they kind of go racing and then they get hooked up with Chris Vestal some way or another through a KTM adventure rally and they talk about rally and the dad says hmm yeah they kind of points Mason's sh- shoulders and just kind of points him go walk towards that you know and mm-hmm. then he, they, they figure it out um, you know that's a huge thing you remember when we were developing the Baja rally the modern Baja rally together you were in our team you know on the inside officially and thank you mm-hmm. for your the years that you put in, uh, you know, in, a, in an official capacity mm-hmm. as the race director, but we used to scratch our head. Is like, we, we need to make sure that they have a highly competitive people coming in this. We mm-hmm. had a guy named Steve Hengeveld. Yeah. People have heard of him. Maybe. He did well mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and then he didn't come back, and it's like, he's a, he's a man of few words. You know, he doesn't, um, you know, like wear everything on his, on his um, 
he doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve, so so to speak. But I now I know why he didn't come back. It's why go. It's kind of like making out with your sister. It doesn't really count. Or it's like beating <laughs> up your, you know, it's like punching out a, a, a an eight year old. You know, it's like oh, it's, it's so he. It, we need to provide competition for people like Colton Udall. Um, Skyler Howes and the big shots and the new guys. And so mm-hmm. by getting Mason Klein, which is like you and I were talking earlier, it's like, you know, it's his future to yeah. to to uh, screw up or to really insulate. And having good guidance, you know, I've never met him in person or his, or his folks, but that's going to be a key thing is how he gets managed, whether mm-hmm. he has an agent or a manager or whether that's dad mom and dad i heard good things from the sonora that they're all teaming up Mm -hmm. but mason uh is a is a clue to attracting uh the the more highly competitive guys now for you listening you guys listening that you're you consider yourself in the adventure kind of like yeah i'm just a civilian i'm just a 50 year old that has means you know Mm -hmm. and i heard on one of your podcasts alex martins said it really best hey if you're you're going to get into rally and you're worried about the entry fee or the cost to 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 you know uh, retrofit your bike. This is not your sport. It's a no. pretty expensive sport, but it shouldn't scare you away. Guys can get it done, but um, I'm I'm particularly enthusiastic when we, when we started this thing back in 2013. It was Caselli. So, like, we launched in March of 2013. In January of 2013, Caselli had just. Uh, debuted at the Dakar, mm-hmm. won a couple of stages, almost three, and he was like the most, like the biggest surprise ever. And he was so he didn't know what to do with the roadbook. Marcoma, there's a video out there, and like Caselli has no idea what he's doing, and he succeeded so much. And it's hard to say, but it's been enough time. He, he, had, he was going to win the Dakar Rally. He was going to win it in one or the, in that year or the next year. And he tragically passed away that November. And so before he even got back to his second Dakar, that accident happened and he, and he passed away. For our whole sport in North America, anybody who's a participant enthusiast, you know, that set us back. And I yeah. wrote, you know, back then that it will be five years at least before an American gets competitive and it mm-hmm. tuned up to be about that time when Ricky was, uh, you know, get on, you know, onto the HRC as a, um, as a water carrier, not really <laughs> yeah. such a bad thing, but so it's interesting, isn't it? It is. And I mean, and, and like I said, you got, you're attracting the competition, right? You've got the big guys and, and incidentally, I think Steve Henschel is the only one to win two categories. Yeah. So both Pro Moto and uh, Rally Pro and the uh, UTVs. Yeah. So and by and I remember that one too. There was some there was some thing because both times was overall. So when he did it on the bike, he beat the UTVs, and then when he did it in the UTV, the bike guys were questioning it because I think there was there was a workaround for the UTVs. There was a wash in there, and I think it ended up meeting what five meters difference in the road book. It, it was almost negligible. Half, not even half a kilometer difference in in the length of you know because of the workaround. Yeah. So a lot of people went with that technicality, but technically on the time it was still no matter, even if he would have had to have run that section twice, he still would have been on top. 
Yeah, so and you know, this is still, yeah. uh, you know, we're talking about small numbers here. Yeah. You know, I hear best in the desert. You have a hundred, hundred to two hundred UTV trailers trailering their UTVs out there, mm-hmm. and you know, the our, our rallies, you know, mm-hmm. here in North America are legitimate competition rallies: Sonora Rally, Baja Rally. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, a dozen, you know, half a dozen to a dozen, you know, we have a way to go, but it's, and I got to really pat you on the back and uh, let me take that back. Not a, you don't need anybody <laughs> patting you on the back, but what I really want to do is just, is like anything I can do to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, you, this was a really good decision and your, your dedication to putting out episodes, bringing on the right guests is uh, you're probably as critical as, as Mason will be uh, in putting the word out. Yeah. You know, we work together. You and I struggle together. It's like, Victor, how are we going to create demand and how are we yeah. going to, like, generate interest from people f- to bring them to Mars? Mm-hmm. Remember the first time you landed on planet Mars? People say, what are you talking about? It's yeah. like, exactly. You see, you, you, it wasn't as hot as you thought or it's hotter than you thought. And the rally thing, if you're... Because what I'm learning is not everybody's on Facebook. That's one. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's on Thumper Talk. You know, not everybody um, is. We think we have a grip. There's 200 rally participants or two, but there could be 600 yeah. here and there could be a thousand hopefuls. And if you're a hopeful, the one message I would send you is, dude, you could do this. It's not that hard. Yeah. You know, if you watch people learn rally and I've watched a lot of people learn roadbook reading and get trained and see like, the incidence of, of people that just will never get it is mm-hmm. like 2%, 3%. You know, it's one out of every 50, Yeah, you know. And, you know, and it's a, the thing, or at least in how I, how I see it, I mean, it's a good point. There's a ton of people out there that are interested, that watch the I mean, I see the Dakar sticker. I worked at uh, BMW, San Diego BMW Motorcycles for a while. I saw how many Dakar stickers are on those bikes. And... Very rarely did somebody have that sticker on the bike that did not actually know what the Dakar was. So there's a lot of people that know it and and just maybe don't realize that, hey, you know, this is actually something that I could get get into. You know, I have that. I have the dirt bike at home and all it takes is a phone call to, to RMS Rally Moto Shop. And now you've got your handlebar kit and you wire it up and that's it. And it's the same dirt bike that you've been riding out at Glamis or at, you know, anywhere or in Baja. And now you're in. And then the only missing piece is then is the, the training, which you did. Um, there was something and I, I wanted to ask you about this. So as far as training goes, you've trained already 50, 50 or so. Close to 50. Close so to between 50. Between 40 and 50. You introduced something that I thought is just kind of like the the way to do training. And, and that's a class in Baja Rally during the Baja Rally. That, yeah. So what what's let's talk a little bit about that, because this is. It, for those playing the home game, this is how you get into rally. Well, the best example for this one, by the way, we developed a school that we launched, and it was a trip. That incident you talked about where the spot tracker went off, I had the, the mineral uh, deficiency thing, near-death experience. It was that night or that morning that the rally school got launched. We have a rally school that has Quinn Cody, Jimmy Lewis, uh, you know, Mike Shirley, Dave Peckham. It has everyone's DNA on it. Anything mm-hmm. that I went to and that I, I pulled out of, I put all the best aspects of everything that I um, trained and everything I'd seen and done and learned, put it all into one uh, one stack. Now, at post-COVID, 
for the and then we have this other example. I forget the guy's name is from Santa Cruz, older guy, construction guy, 2016 Baja Rally, signed up and lied on the entry form. Do you have roadbook training experience? And it's either yes or no. Mm-hmm. And if you lie, he said yes, but the fact was it was no. Yeah. And so that basically voids his entry. Just before, and it was either 2015 or 16, they had a, it was Eric Kudla and Romina from uh, Coast to Coast, uh, Patrick Rea's wife. Um, so we had like a jury, and they put him in a room, and they said, you lied on your application. Why should we let you continue? We're going to throw you out of here. You're going to lose your money, and you're going to go home. You lied on the app. Why? And the jury, I wasn't involved, they said, we will let you try, and we're going to let you uh, participate zero roadbook experience and the guy you know the first day was a learning curve but he shredded forget the guy's name I wish he would come back a Santa Cruz guy um, and he ended up doing he was a score guy but he ended up doing terrific so to to your point now for Baja Rally School there's a Baja Rally School page website you log in and register for it it's just Seven, it's 15 hours of reading and online interactive stuff, some quizzes, you do the rally comp quiz, you read the rule book, you, um, you force you to get onto Rally Navigator. But day one of your thing, the, a day before the rally, we'll have a, like a 60 to 90 minute seminar with a PowerPoint presentation. It just in the, the first page says, you can do this. It's not that mm-hmm. hard. So the first day of the rally, you learn as you do. Mm-hmm. So we have a friend, Mauricio, yeah. put us in contact together, so the, our better half at, uh, at Baja Rally. Mm-hmm. He's never rode a motorcycle. You know, he'd never been in racing, and, and he had zero experience in autosports and motorsports. And now he, we took him on a single-track ride, you know, to Catavina that we were invited on. I was invited on. I brought him. Mm. I said, he's a beginner. He said, he's kind of novato. He's like a, <laughs> a, a kind of a, 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 a new intermediate. And they said, it's going to be hard. And I said, there's no other way this guy's going to learn to do it. And we're going to throw him into it. That's why I will... <laughs> There's a joke. I've said it a couple times. There's a joke. When you tell me, like, oh, yeah, just go up that way. Or just why didn't you take that? I forgot. I think it was up to Mike's. And you said, oh, why don't you just take the backwash up through Mellings? And I go, no, I'm not trusting what you because <laughs> I know you know the routes. I mean, you're an accomplished writer, obviously, all the miles and everything you've wrote. So I know better than when you say, oh, that's easy. I know it's sometimes not as easy as you see, but, but definitely a lot of fun. So you got Mauricio onto the single track ride. Yeah, and he, he's, he, we got on Bill Nichols, uh, Malcolm Smith Trail, and I let him go in front of me, and then he was gone. I couldn't catch him. And so that, the reason I bring him up, so we have this event called Baja Rally, and it's a Mexican event, and 80% of the, of the money that we spend it stays in Baja. So we pull entry fees and some sponsor money, very little, but some support, and of all of that revenue, 80% of it gets spent in, in Mexico. And mm-hmm. it's a social and cultural uh, difference. You know, we're a Mexican organization led by a Mexican guy, Mauricio, the general director. And mm-hmm. so um, where I was going with this is that that's an example of how a, a rally aspirant so you're thinking about, God, I've watched that car. It looks so cool. I've seen Roblox, but I'm intimidated by learning French. Let me tell you, I don't know French, and I never am going to learn French. Yeah. It's a hard one it, you know, to learn, but we're not, you're not speaking French or learning French. It's just 
a couple of letters. Weed, mm-hmm. weed, you know, O U E D or whatever yeah. it is, and um, and you know those those acronyms. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know. I could tell you until I'm blue in the face. It's it's easier than you think, and we all as rally kind of you know uh, participants and you know somewhat influencers. You know, we really need to send the message that dude, this isn't rocket science yeah. at, at all. And on the, on the other hand, it's it is the next best thing to slice bread. And if you're racing and score, you know I'm biased against. Baja 1000 because I've done it mm-hmm. and I've done rally. And so I'm biased against it because it's not suited for bikes. It's like, Hey, you want to do yeah, And I can appreciate how some of these guys, why well, I got to do the, it's on my bucket list to do the Baja 1000. Yeah. Get it off your list. Mike Sky Ranch, get it. It's on your list. Check it off. Go mm-hmm. to the next place because there's better places yeah. on score. It's like, okay, so you're going to spend 20 grand on a bike do the pre-running, build all your team up, get everything going so that you can outrun trophy trucks before dark and have, you know, before you get mowed over by a trophy truck and you're hammering through the whoops. You and I have talked about this for yeah. ad nauseum with each other. So, um, again, it's easier than you think you but, can do it. Yeah. So it's, the school part, sorry, yeah, to, no, no, to, no, to wrap it up. So if you're a first-timer, um, you sign up right now, you... Uh, re- you, part of your sign up is you get a registration to our Baja Rally School webpage. You log in, give yourself a password, and then you can read 15 hours or do 15 hours of uh, exercises and stuff. That that right there, it, just with that reading and that study, that mm-hmm. self study, you're ready to start. Um, when I got originally formally trained in Rally, I had done all the reading I could about it, and I went, and I was just, I had to do like a day of classroom. I was like, God, I'm just, can you just send us out now? I'm ready to go. And no, no, the next day. And so the next day I was ready to go. What I was ready to go do was ready to go make mistakes and mm-hmm. ready to go solve them. Yeah. Safety. People that are concerned about say, oh, man, Mexico's dangerous. I'm not sure if this uh, rally guys, if they have their, their stuff together with the safety you are an insider. You're biased. You know. You know what how the quality of safety is at Score, at Nora, at Sonora, and at Baja Rally, and you know it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It, it is safe. You know, yeah. and our record really indicates that. Um, mm-hmm. You don't. We have enough. Uh, you know, hardware, software, rally comp, um, which I didn't mention, Mike. You know, this isn't really an infomercial, you know, but yeah. it's like we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Mike uh, Johnson. Um, for sure. We can think of a lot of stuff, of a lot mm-hmm. of reasons why we wouldn't be here, but Mike Johnson's uh, mission, you know, his cause mm-hmm. is um, selfless. It's not about money. It is about, it's the same as yours. So what you've done is you've kind of, whether you, it's by, consciously or not you've adopted the same cause that mike has that chris vestal has that alex martins has Mm -hmm. and it's basically pitching in to help grow the sport yeah so you do that you're doing that right now Mm -hmm. you've been doing that with chasing waypoints your work at baja rally was was that mike's doing that by participating in rallies supporting linden doing the stuff with linden posket and building a rally comp it's not to make money. It's the opposite has happened. Mike yeah. Graves, you know, it's like whether he knows it now or not, or it, it will be the case that 
next year and the following year. The work that they've done, so the Kota Rally, these guys mm-hmm. put together, he was on your show, he put together the permits in the U.S., yeah. which a guy told me one time, it'll never happen. And, you know, I love it when that happens. It's like, really? <laughs> never is like the N-word. That's like ne- the, ne- yeah. ne- never to me is the N-word. You can't say the n-word you can't say yeah. never it's because it's gonna happen uh, so it's the it's the uh the red cape to the bull you know so you, okay well that's all right well that's that's your belief let me uh let me do it now you know those are the challenges yeah, yeah. and so uh, i'm optimistic about the future and i want to tell you a little bit about um okay if you're signed up for baja rally already we have a number of canadians i think two dozen um coming with lawrence hacking who was on your show which yep. was great um you, if you're new and you're coming, I can set your expectation level. You're going to love it. You're going to, uh, on the last day, you're going to be pissed that it's the last day. Yeah. Um, if you are have been with us before in Baja Rally, you know that, um, and this gets weird, because if you've been with us in the last four years, you know that we keep getting better. And if you were only there in the first two years, be like, oh, that was, they were young, they were kind of working out they're kind of getting their organization put together um things have changed a lot thanks to guys like you and everybody else that's pitching in to take stuff off of this guy's thing it's not scotty's rally that's number one it's not scotty's rally there's a whole organization of people um you know that are making this thing happen but to set your expectation we have all new stages every stage is unique and we found some stuff that cuts out a a piece of track that we've had to use that's about 30 miles long that we found the way around it and and i got excited about it mauricio and i and danny zaragoza a big key part of our team from uh, shout out to dirtbag uh, garage at toyota um, tundra and forerunner group here in san diego the three of us went out and found our way around we looked hard and we, and we did our process okay yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did our scouting process and found a way around and then Poncho Alonso and, and uh, Oscar Hale Jr. I was just kind of separately with those guys, and they also found it, and they were super excited about it. I found it too, and like, okay, it's really exciting. Huh. Uh, that that one piece, and so the Bay of LA uh, Marathon stage. Um, it's like this: if you've been to Baja Rally first time or the last time that that we've had it, you know it's good, and and there's something that what we have to our to hang our hat on is those stages. And I didn't do them by myself. And the thing is, it seems like I did, but behind the scenes, there's more. There's mm-hmm. the guy that got the permit. There's the, the environmental impact study. There's just speaking the right tone to the land owners and mm-hmm. to the land stewards to, to make it happen. And so um, can't take, I don't want to take any credit for what we're doing. Um, I'm a piece of the puzzle, and it's, it's fun, you know, being there's a hundred guys in a rally there's only one and there's a hundred participants and then one guy that made the thing mm-hmm. one inspiration that was you know jimmy lewis and scott whitney they have this thing where they're masochists and they like jimmy lewis does it with, with his uh, king of the motos i was there with him a week before it went off i'm i, I followed his development of the king of the motos and and he's sadistic He's sadistic. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is there's no, he's not going to hide any bones mm-hmm. about it. That's yeah. kind of what they like to do is make it hard, make it challenging. And if, you're, if they hear that you're cursing them, Scott Whitney, same thing, Diabolical Rally, the Grand Rally, mm-hmm. Cortez Rally, Sonora Rally, he likes to make it 
tricky navigation and tough. And, you know, it's not my thing, you know, to do that. But these guys were like, yeah, I'm going to make it tricky and tough. And so um, it's everyone else and then them. So meaning that it's uh, being the guy that designs the course. Everybody, maybe people want to do it. Don't, if you, if you aspire to, let me tell you, it's a lot of stuff that is going to hurt. You're going to have to sacrifice a lot of other stuff, but Mm -hmm. making it tricky and hard and, uh, you know, it, it, it's never been my thing, yeah. you know, to make it super tricky. So yeah. something about the roadbooks when we first started, they had to be perfect. And the, the, the critical rally theorists were going to come down and were going to just wreck us if they, oh, the roadbooks aren't accurate, man, it was unsafe. And so we made it super literal. And over time, I got to a place where actually that's bad. What it is is it's too literal. Mm-hmm. It's too yeah. literal. And so we wanted to it bring in some ambiguity. Mm-hmm. The way we do that is the first day, the first stage is going to be a lot of notes. It's going to be really accurate. It's going to be overkill. It's going to be super, uh, if you can follow instructions, yeah. then you can do that. Uh, if you, um, and then on the last day, a lot of ambiguity. If you don't know what TDSPP is or follow, you know, continue straight uh, and use the force, you're going to struggle. Yeah, but um, so it and so there's different mixtures of of the notes and and so you do stagger because I've heard like you know with Sonora Rally right they they try and make the first day each day harder than the next day and and it sounds like you you've adapted the the same thing but in a different ways so, you know the the quality or the quantity of notes that they see is you know so it's either you go from maybe from a step by step to every other step kind of direction by the end of the rally. Yeah, without yeah. getting without getting lost, and there's a yeah. little bit of guesswork in it. And mm-hmm. if you're not in the front, if you're if on the fourth or fifth day, you're in the top five on a starting order. Mm-hmm. That means you're good at what you do. You're good at riding. You're good at navigating, and um, you 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 might have to be a guinea pig and kind of keep going on on the road. It's not that um, that hard. But if you're behind, if you're in the you know you know, 6th, 7th, 10th, and later, you're going to have tracks on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have some tracks on the ground. Yeah, you'll have some room. And that, that's and I'm thinking about that. That's actually something pretty interesting is because a lot of times when you see the rally results, right, the rally results very often, very rarely, I think, do you see it day-to-day listed in any other form than overall. And, and then at that point, your class, your classification it's kind of almost like Nolan, Nolan Void, because at that point, it's how well you're navigating. It's your overall time. So even if you are a rally rookie, but you just it clicks and you just understand rally navigation and you're a hell of a rider and you don't get lost. All of a sudden, you're going to see your name float to the top of Rally Pro or your any of the other rally class, Rally One. And it has nothing to do with the classification that that tag that you gave yourself that ability the, the thoughts of your ability but thinking about it yeah it's just a matter of like going out learning the paces riding and just getting it done and then all of a sudden you're going to surprise yourself if you understand like what you're saying like with the road books it's like okay well i am now in tune with the way scotty is writing these road books and i now understand so it's like you by the end you're kind of like okay I'm going to let you go a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit more slack. I'm not going to hold your hand like we did on stage one. We're going to grow it. We're going to, you've grown now. So, you know, off you go. 
and and to see that and to see people you know i i always go back and i we were talking about this and i told you and to me it was it was very important about when it was said the way that i realized to me was like there's something completely different about how scotty's doing things here and that's that when steve henchfeld i told you when steve henchfeld comes in who i've said knows every bush knows rocks he's got names for him comes in and says i've never been down that road i've never seen this uh, the the terrain and then it all and it extends from there to other people because this you know people come how was the stage how did it go and all this stuff and not one of them has come back and said that stage sucked if it did it was because it had other problems yeah. but it had nothing to do with the stage itself they were impressed by the terrain the the scenery everything that they got to see and it just i mean by a little serious that's the only right the only permitted organization to run allowed to run in that area well no actually Nora, yeah N- Nora and Eliseo Garcia who's a, a good friend and you know has been a bit of a mentor um, you know is in Nora's in compliance in there and, okay. um, and you know we Baja Rally was the first to do an impact study that was registered and, and endorsed and stamped by the federal government in Mexico Valle de los Sirios for those that know Bajas is El Rosario south all the way to um to guerrero negro it's a nat nationally protected zone it's where all the cactus where catavina dr seuss all that stuff it's a huge zone and that i'm super excited to tell you hey you know we put in five years so i get like i'm in my seventh year of spending the summer down in that desert <laughs> and finding new stuff to make so when when a guy like a gringo like in the best colloquial sense of gringo not a bad word but guy like Hengeveld you know a lot of fun riding a lot of uh, fun rides a lot of championships he's really got his wings he's earned his wings mm-hmm. but guys like Junior Hale um, and Pancho Septian Septi- uh, Francisco Septian uh, I'm finally learning how to pronounce his last name uh, properly and Nino Rojas and mm-hmm. you know those guys are Mexican legends and I asked them the same thing. You've been out here before? They're like, never. I've never been seen this before. And it's like, you know, uh, th- that's a sign that we're doing good and we're doing well. And when I say we, we're doing well because it's um, it can't happen without everybody there together. But that's what I love doing. And it's like, this is what's keeping me going. And then mm-hmm. the things like, um, if there's somebody like you and Mason Klein and now Mike Graves, Vestal has always been, you know, Chris Vestal at Moto Minded and Rally Moto Kit, you know, has always been towing the line since day one uh, as like, a, you know, one of the handful of, of influencers. You guys are towing the line and it keeps me going. If it was going the other direction, guys like you were falling off and Chris Vestal is going to quit doing his thing, go back to like a nine to fiver. You know, Alex Martin loses the, 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 the bug and the, and the passion it's going to be like, then I'm going to have to re-ask myself, okay, why am I really doing, doing this? Because it ain't for the money. And like, you know, I want to encourage, um, you know, Darren Skilton and Sonora Rally. You know, Baja Rally has just a little bit more um, uh, years of experience in this part of it is that we're on a slow growth trajectory, especially with covid I know their numbers. I know our numbers. I know what Nora's going through. I know what SCORE's gone through. I study and pay really close attention. For us, for the rallies in North America, the, the, the two, 
mm-hmm. that we have right now, um, the future is bright. And it's not because good luck or whatever. It's because we're building it slowly. And the, the foundation, so like what's happened over in Sonora there's, is the similar to what's had to happen at Baja's. We had to really earn the relationships and really get the, the respect. You know, Mauricio mentioned that in, in, in Ensenada, every three years we get a new government. We get a new new people. And so... Thankfully, that you know, we're now on our fourth hit. Palio Torres, Herata, uh, Novello, Ayala. We're getting ready for our fifth mayor in the, our fifth administration in Ensenada that we're dealing with. And so the future is bright for rally participants, pros, experts, people that want to train Dakar hopefuls like Kyle McCoy and um, and the other Dakar people, mm-hmm. the, other big rally people. Because I want to segue into, if we can, I wanted to bring up something else about the the Dakar as being like the MSNBC or whatever. But <laughs> um, the future is bright, and so that we haven't exploded and got to a hundred participants, um, you know, at either of these rallies. Mm-hmm. It's okay. That's going to come, and there's going to be a day where there's going to be 150 people lining up at the Sonora Rally. And there's going to be 150 people lining up at the Baja Rally, and if it needs to happen next year, we're in the wrong business. It's gonna, it, it's a slow growth process, but it's organic. And um, you know, I would, I'm kind of interested in dying. I really kind of want to ride the Sonora and, and get out there, and uh, just because we can't ride our own uh, our own rallies, but yeah. you know, so. We, so Dakar. Yeah, it's a trip because there's the Africa Eco Race mm-hmm. that is like we're really doing. We're actually going to Dakar. Yeah. So are you going to Dakar? They actually go to yeah. Dakar, Senegal, um, and that's right. Dakar is the city. Senegal is the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, ASO is everyone's. Oh, Dakar is the one. That's the one. That, but Lyndon showed us and he taught us he said actually a lot of dakar rally people are just now going to go to the africa eco race about the same distance about the same time of year a little bit less money a lot less bureaucracy mm-hmm. and those guys have been doing it for like 10 years and they're like really kind of slow growth they're not going anywhere that's a good model yeah you know like uh if it if it has to be dakar or nothing okay go to the dakar but i think people that do both they're fine. It's like that's the they'll route. go. I what I what I've been starting to see is I'm obviously seeing more people. Uh, Morocco Desert Challenge and some of the Hellas, the other they're extending into other rallies, and it's either maybe because they've previously experienced the Dakar, we're close enough to somebody that said the Dakar, and it's like me back when I was racing RC cars, which is a whole different thing. There was always that one race is like, damn, this race is on the bucket list. There's no way I'm never not going to do this race. I'm going to go do this race. You go and do the race, and you're like, I'm never coming back to this. This is the worst thing I've ever done. Or not necessarily the worst thing, but you realize, like, okay, off the bucket list wasn't what I thought it was going to be. On to the next. And I think that that's what's going on. I think there are people that are, you know, coming off the deck car and going, damn, that was a lot of money. And damn, that was a lot of stuff to do. But wait, I could go to Morocco. I could go to Senegal. I could go through, you know, the the OG Dakar, you know, and some of the areas that the, the original Dakar visited. And and I can go see the world, and I don't have to do the Dakar. I can do all these other rallies that exist, and 
And I think it's just getting the map. I have uh, on Chasing Waypoints, I put up over, hey, look, here's a list of the rallies. And yeah, Dakar's on there because it kind of almost has to be. But there's a whole nother, you know, whole nother, you could make a whole career just racing those rallies. You know, the ASO or ASO FIM slash FIM, they have, they have their rally series. You know, they have a Silkway rally starting in a couple of days, which they only just recently started allowing bikes, uh, bikes back, I think. I think they had done it for a bit and then I think they got away from it. I don't know if it was that one or was the, uh, no, the one that uh, Lawrence ran, Lawrence Hacking ran a rally. The Mongolia. The, the Mongolia one, yeah, yeah that Mongolia. sounded like a trip. Yeah. So either way, it, it doesn't matter. There's more more rallies in the world besides the Dakar. And I think that people looking to get into this need to, you know, not, I don't want to dumb it down or tone it down. The Dakar is 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 the end all be all for a lot of people. But it's much better to go do something else. Don't bet the farm on on going to Dakar. Don't go sell everything until you've actually done a local rally, done something that's more regional, and and then you've really been bitten by the bug and you feel more proficient in your navigation skills and all that stuff. I think that's that's the safer route. That's the slow growth trajectory, you know. Well, we're scratching our heads here, but I think that I just stumbled on this. Lyndon Poskett, you know, when you reach out to him and say, can you make time? Can you appear? And you can just ask him, mm-hmm. hey, you know, and Lyndon Poskett, you know, is an influencer uh, guy with the video channel and the races to places and adventure spec. And, you know, before I met him, I thought, oh, it's just a typical guy is going to be full of himself. And he's in the when you watch the videos, it's like, oh, when I meet this guy, it's, I'm going to. But exactly the opposite thing happened. It was super genuine, super real, super sincere. And it's not because I was like at the in leadership at the Baja Rally, but it was that's how he is. Mm-hmm. And so his, um, if you ask him, I think he'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, but he, here's something that happened. He had a dream to go to the Dakar. He crowdfunded and got people behind him. He's likable. He got people to support him, and he got the money, and his dad and him went to Buenos Aires, and he did, and he finished the Dakar. Mm-hmm. Not Malimoto the first time, but he finished it, I forget the year, 12 or 13, uh, that he, he finished it. And the way I understand it, maybe you should ask him, but I think it, he they were in Buenos Aires at the finish ceremony, and then that was like a Friday or Saturday. And then on Monday, he was back at work. Mm-hmm. And so after you climb Mount Everest for a month or you take a year off to yeah. go climb Everest and then you come walk, you know, hike down Everest and you get back to your office in your cubicle and you're going to lose your shit. You're going to mm-hmm. have a nervous breakdown. Yeah, everything and, and, just and, catches up. And so I, as a listener, I would be really curious to have you ask him about that. Is is really what did happen, and see if you can get him to open up about it because that's the way I understood how he launched races to places. He got back to his office at BAE British Aerospace, whatever it is. He was an mm-hmm. aerospace engineer. Takes a basically six months to prep and takes a month off. Gets back to the office on Monday after finishing the, the world's longest and hardest race. What the heck am I going to do now? And you start crying in your hands. It's like, I have no idea. I can't I yeah. can't be here. You finally caught the car. Yeah. If you're a dog chasing the car, chasing the car yeah. tire, okay. you finally caught it. Wow. Now, I've never now what? I've you never know? heard that. Well, I've, I mean, we've seen it enough times on a motorcycle in Baja. <laughs> Come around a corner and the ranch dude, dog dude, comes hauling ass at dude, you. <laughs> I, I, hit my, I hit a dog in, um, in 
about a year ago and in El Rosario and I uh, parked the bike. I was weeping with him. It was like a scruggly old, like Rastafari, uh, nappy, white, kind of mixed breed and I picked him up and, you know, it was bleeding and he was still and I, my first dog, you have tons of close calls, hundreds. And I hit my first dog, like parked the bike and I picked him up and I took him back to his house and I was crying and I took him back and knocked on the shack and like these women came out they're like what the heck and, and I put Fluffy down on the ground and I just said I'm so sorry about what th- this happened I hit a dog and they're like oh it's okay and they put some water and there's there a vet around here no there's no vets anywhere around dog's gonna probably die and and uh, he's lying there and shaking scared and the other dogs are freaking and I was doing worse than the dog yeah. And just fluffy, and I was kind of like crying to the daughter and telling her, I'm, I'm just, I can't tell you how super sorry I am this happened. And fluffy just jumps right up and just like, good as new. <laughs> and just like goes and good, runs, over, shit. runs over to the shade to play with the other dogs. Had a little blood. He kind of cut his mouth a little bit. And the next day I went and rode back uh, over mm-hmm. there to say hi and check on him. And, and here he was barking at me again. Rah, 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 rah. But that does happen. You hit the dog. But yeah, so, so with Lyndon's case, so he finishes the Dakar. If you go climb Mount Everest, yeah. and then you try to go back to your regular life, see, it, it, it's kind of like if you win the ba- the Baja One Thousand. Mouse McCoy said it, or it was, it was a guest and it was a respondent in Dust to Glory One. And I forget the guy's name, but he's like, Dave, you're out here, you're almost dying like a hundred times, and then you go home and you miss a sales job. It's like that ain't nothing. That, no big deal. I can everything bounces off. You find out what matters. Yeah. It it changes the perspective of everything else. It just it doesn't you know because I mean I could see that you're holding that. I mean I for me in that particular case is you you hold something in such high regard and this challenge and it's and it's your obsession for so long and then it's not like that overnight. It's done. Like the first time you landed on Mars. Like, yeah. And it wasn't exactly what you <laughs> yeah. thought it would be. The dirt wasn't as red as they <laughs> made it out to be. Well, yeah. man, we've covered some good stuff today. You know, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about the history. Um, you know, we wanted to uh, talk about the roadbook process and, you know, how we mm-hmm. do it. It's not the best thing for everybody else. Um, no, but it's a different process. You're the first, I think, on the show that really has talked about, you know, okay, don't, don't fly it literally go ride it go make your go lay it out and then come back and start start doing the the homework on the computer and doing that and then go ride it again yeah, do yourself a favor uh and and also do the person that's going to ride the things here's the conundrum um back when when i got trained and it was hard for me to get trained but i did get trained and i came home and i thought well there's rally navigator and and but i need it takes two to tango Mm-hmm. It's like you can't really go waltz with yourself, you know, and you can't really make out with yourself. I mean, maybe some of you guys can. But, um, <laughs> um, but so with roadbook making and roadbook sharing, the guys like Mike uh, Montana, Mike Georgeson up in Montana, and you know he wants to do roadbooks, and you got to have a, you got to make one for your buddy and say, hey, I've rode this three three times, mm-hmm. once to make the GPX track. Second time to fill in the blanks on the on the uh, road on the rally navigator roadbook part, and then the third time to make sure it's absolutely perfect with rally blitz or rally comp, whatever. Then you give it to your friend. That's 
a good bro. You're giving your friend mm -hmm. something that's good. One time a guy gave me a GPX track and he said, yeah, this is where you want to go. I made this for you. But he did it in an air-conditioned room, you know, from the comfort of his desktop. And it was a bad experience that could be unpleasant or just not undesirable or it could be fatal. It, it could yeah. be, it could be uh, really bad, but yeah. you know, actions speak louder than words. I could join you today on podcast and tell you how I am and how it Baja rally is, but it's only the, what, what you see if you're paying attention, if you come as a, as a, uh, as a participant, as a mm. racer, as an adventurer, you know, we need the pro racers, the fast guys, and we need the adventure guys equally. Mm -hmm. You know, the adventure guys, um, you know, rally, uh, you know, tur we call it rally tourism, you know, guys that save yeah. up and they can get away and do it. You know, that's a big part of it. Um, and the, But without competitive uh, racers, um, you know, it's just not possible. The school part, if you're, mm -hmm. as we kind of wrap this up, six-day Baja rally, September 26th through October 2nd. It's going to be our ninth Baja Rally. It lasts, you race for six days, all new stages. Your service route is really contained. It's, I think the whole service route is like 160 miles or something. It's really low. It means that your support team doesn't have to uh, chase you or sweep you or drive all over the place. The, we'll have a Catavina Rally in December. It's a three-day rally. It's going to be in Catavina. It'll be also all new. It means if you come to Six Day Baja Rally and then Catavina Rally, well, you're not racing the same stages. Nice. It, how, yeah. how could you? Because it's, there's no integrity there. Yeah, you'd be. Anybody in. that came to the Six Day has an unfair advantage. Mm -hmm. 2022 is our 10 year anniversary, Seven Day Baja Rally. Already, I mean, I should get you fired up for that. Yeah. Seven days is a long time. And, mm -hmm. and it's what the English, the UK guys asked for in 2014. They said, we'd love to put a team together and come over but four or five days isn't enough for us to fly over there if yeah. you can do a seven-day rally and, and and now we can yeah and so well you got all the the real estate and all that and i mean is there you kind of be, before we're going to wrap it up but i wanted to how much can you share six day baja rally preview of that day one day two day three i mean a I, lot a lot. Okay. So early in when we started the rally, hey, it has to be secret, and it was to a fault. I mean, people, I lost some friends over it, you mm -hmm. know, but which really, they weren't that good of friends if that was <laughs> If all, that was the determining takes, factor, but, yeah. Yeah, and some support staff would be like, we need to know where we're going, we need to go. You guys are curious, but it's a secret. And then the regulators are like, we need to see where you're going. And we explain to them, well, it's got to be a secret, let's do this and that. And there's a way that... Um, that that can happen. And so you'll start in San Quentin. So we're skipping Ensenada, not because we don't love Ensenada, but in the direct to San Quentin is going to be a lot easier for post-COVID um, regulations. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be safer and it's less traffic. And so um, you will be uh, in San Quentin, Catavina, two loops. We're doing at least two Catavina loops where you wake up in Catavina, have a four or five mile uh, liaison and a couple hundred miles of a, of a big loop. Um, that'll happen twice. So I can disclose a lot to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, if anyone has been able to hang in for an hour and 40 minutes, you guys are troopers. Okay. <laughs> You're cut out for rally. Okay? So <laughs> yeah. here, here's what it is. It's, uh, you know, San Quentin to Catavina and minimal highway and mixing up some, some old stuff that is 
doable and connecting to minimize the um, the amount of highway or road crossings. Mm-hmm. Wake up in Catavina, huge loop all around Catavina. Your staff and your support crew, your wife, your your buddy, they all stay in Catavina and relax and enjoy. Uh, and you'll come back. And then the next day, you're going to race to Bahia de Los Angeles. Trust me, there's more than one way to go. Mm-hmm. People, There's a myth. People say, oh, and bah, there's only so many ways you can go. That's because you haven't been to Mars. <laughs> That's because you haven't landed on Mars yet. I, yeah. I landed on Mars. I know that there's way more than one. And yeah. it's like the curiosity and the the gift. So I do have a gift. It's, it's basically time and space and be able to... Uh, get back to places that I've been. A lot of men will brag. So I have that too. I have that too. Um, great. You know, yeah. let's you know, use it for good. And um, there's a lot more behind that. That's not a good subject for this particular podcast, but the um, you're, there's more than one way to get from Catavina to Bay of LA. And the only way that I know that is because I spent so much time alone going up and down every single valley every single arroyo and when you say every single i did every single one and it took six days are you gonna get to i think you're gonna stumble across one of these and we're gonna have to name it because there's an unnamed valley or <laughs> wash you've been in i have a thing about single track guys and i'm helping the the baja rally is supporting baja beach bash which johnny campbell and um cameron Steele. i just rode with them again uh, a week ago mm-hmm. and i just remember those guys got me started you know those guys basically helped me uh learn how to ride in baja and you know riding with them again is uh has been a big treat but those guys and uh it was said that did i just lose my train of thought all right Uh, right, let's see washes we got uh so we're talking about the loop right so you were surveying talking about the loop headed to oh naming 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 trails naming the trail name a trail and so i've had a thing with chili white and just other trail makers you know bill nichols and casey smith and and jimmy Stone, some of the and malcolm smith all these guys they make a trail and they name it in english I live in Mexico. I'm, I'm pretty much becoming a Mexican uh, citizen, a resident. Never be Mexican, always be a gringo, but uh, we, we need to name stuff in Spanish. Yeah. Or why don't we just name it in Korean? There we go. You know? <laughs> Nobody we're going to name it in English. It's like, uh, you know, but it's a pet peeve, you know. there's yeah. some, I have my things, my quirks that make me, uh, you know, like not perfect. And so that's one of them. So, so that'll get them. Okay, so that's that's the from Catavina to L.A. Bay. Yeah, first part of the first part of that stage. That's a marathon stage. The marathon stage, and then we're going to turn it around. Come right. Back. What's the next one? Okay, next so come one back. is to come back from Bay of L.A. back to Catavina. Mm-hmm. Hey, sounds pretty easy for the organizer. Just like you know, flip the GPS around and have them come back <laughs> backwards. The yeah. ASO uh, has done that. Andy Greider was in your position for a year or two uh, before you took it. Mm-hmm. And he told me that him and Robbie Gordon uh, experienced that. Johnny Campbell told me that he and Robbie Gordon also experienced that, where the ASO would flip them back and send them backwards later in the, in the, in the rally. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that. You know, might have a little bit of crossover, but, yeah. but not that. And, um, uh, that's the marathon stage if you're in the marathon. So if you do that, you're Malimoto. And so we're buying the, the, the bins and labeling them for each guy. Mm-hmm. 
and you know you will put your stuff in a box just like the Malimoto guys do and your support crew if they go into Bay of LA if they just happen to even be seen around there nine hour penalty ten hour penalty it's like we're telling them hey here's the map to Bay of LA you have it so you know you don't go so so you don't end up here by accident yeah yeah yeah. it's a tricky thing you know Darren Darren Skilton you know who I knew way before you know they developed the Sonora Rally they uh a lot of their stuff is modeled after ASO. And when mm-hmm. we started Baja Rally, it's like, yeah, that's our, we're modeled after the, the, the Dakar. And we got to a point where it's like, bullshit, you know, we're not going to, we need to be our own thing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, there's a kind of a, a, a balance. So in the marathon stage in the Malimoto, it's like, what do you do, Victor? You, you were a race director. You, what do you do? Do you, do you make it super strict or... Do you, we got to have a little flexibility? Our sport isn't big enough in North America, in Mexico. It's not big enough and strong enough to be an asshole or to be a, you know, really strict. Mm-hmm. And and if you, the more strict you are, then the if you're huge like the the Dakar, you can be as big of an asshole as you want to be. And I say that sorry, ASO guys, you can be yeah. as. You can be as uptight or as strict and as stringent as you want to be because you got all the, the numbers are there. Yeah. With us, we had to really find some balance. Mm-hmm. And it's learning. And anybody that's put your hands on Baja Rally, I just want to say thank you. To you, I look you in the eye. It almost brings a tear to my eye that you just, just for lifting a finger for our thing, paying attention to the other people around and to me over mm-hmm. a long period of time, you'll see that we're in it for everybody. We're in it mm-hmm. for the, for the, for the bigger cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part, part of that is like not being super strict and there's a little bit of give and take and forgiveness. Yeah. And so I, my life has changed because of Baja rally. I'm not going to go to my grave without having this be probably one of the biggest things of my life. And, uh, I've learned humility and uh, compassion and uh, patience and really able to look in the mirror and, and to basically just be a better human. And like for rally and so if you go race and score and be and ride around, oh, I bet, I bet the Baja 1000 is super fun. You spent two weeks down there. <laughs> I did the Baja 1000. I did all three races in pro and, and people said, oh, that was fun. It was everything but fun. It was stressful, yeah. scary, and it was like a lot of fighting. It was like, like it was stress, yeah. and it was hard. But rallies, as you witnessed, and like you know, you're we're gonna pop your cherry and get you through one of these guys. <laughs> one of these things. <laughs> well, no, you you really have because out of yeah. it, all, it, it is about the camaraderie. It's about the humanness. Yeah. It's about us laughing at ourselves. It's about not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. Are you familiar with the movie Best in Show? Ah. It sounds not, yeah, it's 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 a satire about dog shows, and it makes fun of the the people that participate in it. And mm-hmm. it's like we can make it's a caricature of a niche group, like uh, you know, f- uh, fly fishermen or off road motorcycle racers. But the score thing, yeah. it's competition, mm-hmm. just like bikini contests and wet t shirt contests. You know, competition can bring out the worst in in people. Mm-hmm. But the rally thing is, uh, it's it's magical. And I, I'm sitting here as a stakeholder with other people involved, and I'm looking at, at Sonora Rally, and I look at Baja Rally, and it's like the same. It's like, it's good stuff. And, you know, that that they're not 
big money makers or attracting, you know, NBC and radical TV and all this stuff right now, that's good. Because yeah. we're, we're, we're building something. It's, um, you know, and, I, and what, with you saying that, I, I, I go back and I start looking at it going, you know, it's almost like you're just talk, you're, you're talking about that one fishing spot or that one trail in Baja or that one beach in Baja that you found and stumbled across and you don't really want to tell everybody about it. But you kind of do, like you want to talk about it, and you but you don't want people to go. Yeah, you, it's almost like you. We want more people in rally. We want the sport to grow, but it's not to the point where the the vibe, the 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 feelings, and the bivouac change. Where everybody all of a sudden now you start walking around and it's like everybody's just got this game face going, and there's arguments happening at you know the the director's table because. You know, certain competitor did something that was unsportsmanlike, and you know, it, it's like you don't want to slow is good. You don't want it to blow up and and grow into this thing that just gets out of spirals, out of control. And you know, next thing you know, you've got guys that the only sole purpose they're there for is to make the sponsors happy, and then the sponsors have to be there, and then it turns into a big thing. That's something that was that was interesting. There's a lot of people that have helped Baja Rally. Um, and then working with the ex- you, you, there's the core group of guys that support the Baja Rally from outside that you would, we would call sponsors or that you would call sponsors. But there is no formal position for somebody that does outreach that's there trying like their only sole thing is to go and get money for the route. There, that doesn't exist. No. Yeah. And that, what's your is there thoughts behind it? I mean, what's what's your how do you see that? You know, it's a. Uh it's not a it's not for me because mm-hmm. I'm biased see so like I try to sell sponsorships you know and mm-hmm. when I if I'm telling you oh man it's the most bitching thing in the world planet Mars is so awesome just wait till you land on planet Mars you know and then you can you, you know because you haven't been yeah and so um, uh, there 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 was and there has been but I have to look at it like this does it is it financially a good decision you know I'm an, I'm an economist by, by trade mm-hmm. And the, the question is, hey, if you throw 40 grand at Baja Rally, is that going to give you a return on investment? Mm-hmm. Quick story, you know, Robert uh, Rosen, Robert mm-hmm. Rosenberg, the guy from uh, Bike Bandit, Vase Motorsports, called me a day after we announced the first Baja Rally. Mm-hmm. He wrote to me and he called me, Scotty, I want to sponsor Baja Rally. Wow, dude, it's a brand new thing. You sure? And, um, you know, I know, I know him, I knew him a little bit and he said, yeah, I do. I want to throw X. How much is it for a sponsorship? It's, it's X and it's a decent number. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, cool. Here's what I want to see. I want to have my, my easy app and I want a thousand people to see my logo at your event. I said, well, 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 don't do it. You shouldn't do it because that I can't have without, you won't have a thousand people seeing your logo at this event. Mm-hmm. It's if that's your expectation, you'll be disappointed and you should keep your money. Mm-hmm. And he said, whoa, dude, thank you for telling me. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm going to send you the money anyways. Yeah. And it was that's super, yeah. And thank you, Robert. If, I'm sure you're never going to listen to this, but <laughs> I, I, if you do, if you do, you won't make it an hour and 50 minutes. But <laughs> uh, I am thankful to... This Dan. is the buried treasure in the episode. <laughs> like, like sitting here with you is surreal. I've listened to your podcast and being in the same room was like, yeah. this is the only thing I needed to do is I didn't want to do it remote. Thank you very much for yeah. what you're doing, what yeah, you've already done. And to anybody that's touched the Sonora or the Baja Rally, thank you and all the participants you know for for just you know believing in it it's uh, 
you know, the, the truth will come out and actions, uh, you know, will speak louder than words and keep your eyes on, on, on the rally scene because I think it's, uh, it's got a pretty good future. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think every, everybody is quickly realizing that a lot of the other racing organizations are making it tougher and tougher on motorcycles. The safety is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And, you know, it's it, it, it simply said, I won't name the organization. Everybody will instantly know. But, like, when you start playing with start times ranging all the way from the night before in the middle of the night, you know, it, it just – it's not there. So I think that a lot of people are going to see. I mean, I, I saw it at, at Baja Rally. I didn't know that, you know, the guys from, uh, God, why can't I remember? Mark Samuels and those guys. Uh, I can't remember his name right now, and I can literally picture him. Um, but them fielding a team at ba- or at uh, the Sonora Rally. And so it's like, okay, more people are getting into this. And it's like, I want to want to continue to see that. And to me, it's like all the guys on on bikes and, and score – you know, give it a shot. Check it out. You are missing out on something. And and if you think that, you know, having three or four chase crews and paying the hotels and having to be down there for a week and all that stuff, if you think that rally racing is expensive, you should really go back and audit how much you're spending and investing in in your score or in your your sprint, quote unquote, sprint racing, because it is it, the equipment. The everything you can ride conservatively at a rally and still do well. You cannot ride conservatively at uh, one of those sprint races unless you're out front or you have the quote unquote lines that get you way out front. There's there's just isn't you can't save the equipment. You either have to pin it and hope for the best, or or you're just there to trail ride the thing and cross it off the bucket list. So anyway, well, it's a trip because you and me have already been to Mars. You yeah. know, theor- like a, you know, uh, figuratively speaking, we've, mm-hmm. we've been we've, we've been there. And so, yeah. new, you know, new guys, it's like uh, we're not going to die on the vine if you don't come. Not you or I or mm-hmm. or or Sonora or Baja, but we're encouraging you uh, to come check it out. It is not yeah. score. It is not the same routes. You could be a Baja wizard. You could be a lord of Baja and come to our event and you are going to see some new stuff and probably get inspired to um, you know, to come back and, and ride some of that stuff again. Mm-hmm. I'm super stoked, man. Keep yeah, up what you're doing, good. bro. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you've helped me get like even more uh, rejuvenated. Good. That's the game plan. <laughs> all right. So that is wrap. one hour and 53 minutes. I hope you guys made it all the way to the end of the show. I'm going to be putting some links in the description. Uh, it's going to be for BajaRally.com and then or BajaRallyMoto. Look at that. I already forgot. Dang. BajaRallyMoto. And then we've got the BajaRally School as well. So for those of you guys that are interested in getting into rally racing or rally raid, I should say, uh, there'll be some good information for you guys there. Uh, then you can always reach out uh, via the contact. You can either contact me directly or you can contact the organization as well through their website uh, with any of the questions that you may have. So anyway, I hope you guys made it all the way down to the episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we do have some more episodes coming up covering more of the rally stuff and then probably getting back to uh, some of the tech tips and stuff like that. So hope you guys enjoyed episode 26. We will see you guys for 27. <laughs>